passes the point back over it's to anyone. Kill everybody. Oh, okay. Oh, Baker may be in trouble here. Death Mark tries to clean up. Baker, what was that? Lakewood are doing it. They're going to take it. Try again. Hello and welcome to Early Late Nights, the Explosion Network's esports news show. I'm your host, Kieran Marchand, and this is the first show of 2019. I am back with a vengeance after having a month off to relax, to play some games, to chill out, to do all the cool things, but esports is just about to burst back into our lives, and I thought, hey, let's get let's get the band back together by the band. I'm a solo artist for now. But we'll go diving into it. We explore all the latest esports news, action, and drama right here. Now in a new time slot every Wednesday at 7pm Australian Eastern Daylight Time. As we go through all the latest news from the week before. And preview the up and coming weekend of esports ahead. Tonight's show is action packed. We'll be going over some of the new changes and what is ELN early late nights exactly, as well as discussing some of the changes with the show going forward. We're going to be going over the all new and rather inspiring Apex Legends that has burst onto the scene, Respawn. It's done a fantastic job with that game, and we're going to be looking at what's making that game so popular, why it's so different, and what exactly is the esports potential for Apex Legends. As well as that, we're going to be diving in, in two days time, well, we're diving in right now, but in two days time, Overwatch League returns to our Twitch streams, or ESPN, wherever you're in taking it, and it's going to be a fantastic, just a fantastic season two of a league that we've all been hyped for, a very long wait between seasons, but that is finally up, I'm going to be going through every team, that's all 20, including the 8 new expansion teams, going through some of the changes they've made this over the off season, what we can expect from them coming into the current new season, as well as some predictions for the week's matches, as well as my overall predictions for Overwatch League going forward for season 2. As well as that, I'll be exploring the new Paris map for Overwatch in the new public test realm server. But it's been it's been it's been a long time. I'm just flexing my muscles once more, getting back into it, getting getting in the groove of things, you could say. And this is where we're gonna be going with just going over some minor news stories. I am really I'm sorry to hear, and I guess the general gaming community is always sorry to hear of the layoffs that happened at Blizzard overnight or this morning um, due to some financial differences at the company with their financial recordings for last year coming out. 800, about 800 staff members will be losing their jobs at Blizzard. It's about 8% of the last known figure of the staff count for Blizzard Activision. So... <sighs> It looks like a lot of the layoffs are being made in non-gaming related areas such as esports or community managers. Um, and Blizzard Activision have said they're going to be putting more people into directly into game development. With more people bolstering the team for Call of Duty as well as other areas of the business. This isn't the greatest thing. Layoffs are never good. But Blizzard Activision are showing that they're reshuffling their hand. They're moving stuff around. Blizzard has had a big change with, uh, like, Heroes of the Storm's esports division stopping. 
Well, at least the Blizzard support for that game is, like, Blizzard support for the esports scene is stopping. So, we're expecting to see changes in the way Blizzard Activision runs, as well as Bungie were let out of their publication. Um, publication, publishing, the same, it's like the same word, right? Publication, publishing, same word. Um, got let off of their publishing deal with Activision, so we'll be seeing more interesting things coming from them with soon and i'm sure blizzard's layoffs will not be affecting overwatch league in any capacity i can think of is it is their main target for esports and their main target for their drive of their esports division so we'll be seeing more of that don't expect that to be taken away uh, good luck to anybody who's lost their jobs i really hope you do fall on your feet uh in other overwatch signings news and there's still signings going on the large probably one of the largest streamers in the world xqc the previous main tank player for Dallas Fuel and Team Canada in the 2017 and 2018 World Cups has signed a new contract as a sub-main tank player for the Gladiators Legion, that is the LA Gladiators Contenders team. The surprising thing about this for many of us was that XUC didn't seem like he would be playing competitive Overwatch again. He, he was past that life. And to see him now in the point where he's joined another team was puzzling. And, and the Gladiators are reveling in it. It does seem to be a case of XUC becoming a streamer and part of the roster for Gladiators Legion. In an exchange for some visa help getting back to LA where he has better contacts and better... Uh, avenues for his streaming potential. I'm really interested by this. I don't know how many games he'll be playing for Legion as specifically their substitute main tank player, but we'll see. We will see how XUC is involved with the team and streaming for Gladiators going forward. And in other signings news, Shanghai Dragons, the team that went 0 and 40, that looking exceptionally good, which I will discuss more in the up and coming preview for the Overwatch League Season 2, have made another signing. In the last couple of days, it had been news that Fearless, their main tank player, was out sick and was out for an indefinite amount of time. A lot of fans were worried for Dragons, considering Fearless was their only main tank player. What were they going to do? And. In almost in the 11th hour, Gamsu, former main tank player, well, up until today, former main tank player of Boston Uprising, has been traded from the Uprising over to Shanghai Dragons, bolstering the Dragons' ranks and giving up a bit more, you know, money space for Uprising for future trades as they go hunting for DPS players. But we'll discuss a lot more of that in the Overwatch League preview. Fortnite professional gamer... There was a Fortnite pro, Riznit, I believe their name was, came out as originally they had lied and said they were a primary school age kid in grade 6. Not the case, I believe they're in high school, but lying about your age is not something completely new in esports, especially in the professionals, because so many people are drawn to players that are unusual or have something different about them or something that the odds are against them. So we will see, we'll see more about that going forward, I'm sure. What have I been up to? Well, January was a pretty laid-back month. The only game I really dove into that wasn't esports related was Kingdom Hearts 3. And honestly, not even that much of Kingdom Hearts 3. Um, I got into a decent portion of it, unlike my Explosion Network colleagues who have already probably finished the game. Um, I have been mainly diving into a lot more of Overwatch, um, doing a lot of research. And you know what's amazing? The amount of Overwatch I watch compared to the amount of Overwatch I actually freaking play. 
the fact that I reply, I watch more is so crazy. Like just the fact that you know I come home, I put on streams, um, I I watch my team's vods back. I I you know I'm watching for helping people to give them tips. It's such an interesting point. It's so different in many ways. So we shall see that going forward. But that's enough of the tidbits, the little bits of news. We're going to be heading straight into our first topic. And our first topic is a more personal one. Early Late Nights, the Explosion Network's eSports news show. The show you're watching right now, last year ran for a very decent amount of time. Running two episodes a week. Um, doing half an hour episodes on a Tuesday and Friday. We've now, as I've already announced, we've converted over to Wednesdays at 7pm for an hour-long show. That's an hour of jam-packed action of esports excellence just for you right here on twitch.tv slash Explosion Network. Now, the reason for this change for me is to give me more time and capabilities of to be able to put more effort into an episode of early late nights. We already have, I already have a full-time job. So putting in time to be able to make content and put together the shows as I want to is a bit hard when you're doing it two times a week. In amongst that, I have to then edit the video, upload it for the audio and the VOD later the next day. And it minimizes the amount of time I can spend gaming, but also the minimizes the amount of time I can spend creating new content to add with the show. So hopefully with this new time slot, I can put together more pre-prepared segments, more in-game talks and discussions, more interviews with different members of the esports communities, and more overall content in general for esports for the explosion network hopefully i'll be doing day-by-day -day recaps for the uh, overwatch league and putting them up on our youtube channel i'll also be trying to get more into the like the day-to-day -day news about esports up on the explosion network website explosionnetwork.com it also means there's going to be more streamed content right here on twitch.tv slash explosion network i'm going to be getting more streams going i just invested a fair amount of money in a brand new PC to be able to stream the games at competitive levels to be able to play games on stream. You'll see more Overwatch Australian teams with my team that's toxic playing in the Australian Oceanic Esports communities, Ascent and AAOL ladder games um, on a Friday and Saturday night. They may vary depending, so keep an eye out on Twitter at ExplosionPod or my own Twitter at your boy Ringo for more updates on that. But I'll be bringing you more stream content of hopefully a more variety of esports and games of a competitive nature maybe some apex legends maybe some league of legends maybe some counter-strike of legends no way counter-strike has nothing to do with legends maybe some counter-strike though but we'll be diving into more and test driving a lot more competitive games right here on the stream more often which you know what i'm quite excited about the hour gives me more time to be able to discuss topics at length without feeling like I was rushing anything and it gives me a chance to put out more videos as you'll see later with a video of uh, my Paris exploration in Overwatch which I was quite excited for and quite happy to do but we're gonna we're gonna keep going we're gonna keep pushing through we're gonna talk about Apex Legends now Apex Legends was a game that came out of nowhere we knew that EA and Respawn had an announcement. 
We knew it was coming, a game, possibly a Titanfall game, and then they had this media problem of will they, won't they? They also discussed, oh, is it going to be a Titanfall sequel? What have they? What exactly have they been working on? Well, we finally found out that it was Apex Legends, a free-to-play battle royale game that is taking inspiration from hero shooters and hero games in general, such as Overwatch, or other games such as League of Legends and Dota 2. Um, I've had the pleasure, and as well as many people have had the pleasure, of diving into the game and actually exploring it firsthand. It's very good. It is excellent. It almost feels like, in many cases, a breath of fresh air when it comes to a Battle Royale game. If you've watched the earlier edition of Early Late Nights, you would notice that I, I may have hated on Battle Royale games quite a lot. And, and that is that is definitely the case. 100% definitely the fucking case. Like, there's no way that... No way that I was going to avoid that overall, I guess. I just didn't like them. PUBG, I had too many problems with the overall gameplay. The fact that you would spend out like... It felt like an age hiding and scavenging for goods just to run out and die to something in one shot. I then played Fortnite, and I was not good enough to be a builder, as that game is so build-dependent. As well as the age group for Fortnite in general is a bit of a lower one. I found it hard to get involved with the community in many aspects. And then we have Call of Duty Blackout. I didn't, once again, Call of Duty, I didn't want to invest in a Call of Duty game just to play a Battle Royale game. Didn't didn't have the interest. And now this has come along. Of course, there has been Realm Royale. There has been... I was going to say Clash of Clans. It's not Clash of Clans. Uh, there was that random... Like, I can't remember. There was... Uh, there was there's, been a, there's been a whole hail of Battle Royale games that have come out. But none of them have struck my interest until Apex Legends came out. And largely, that is due to the hero system of Apex. Apex has come forth with eight playable um, characters, champions, heroes that you can select from to play throughout your Battle Royale mode. Six of those come unlocked with the game when you buy it, and then two of them are purchasable characters that you can either purchase with real money or you can grind through the game to earn credits to be able to unlock both those characters. Now all the characters feel very balanced, they feel very good. Each character has their own skill set, their own passive ability, normal, like, you know, constant ability and an ultimate ability. And it's interesting to see how these abilities work together. I have found myself playing the robot character Pathfinder, who has the ability to tap into antennas across the map and show your team where the next circle is going to be. Also, he has a grappling hook and he's able to set up a zip line over a great distance. You also have characters such as Wraith. She is, her passive ability is, gives her the um, option to, it tells you, like, the game, like, whispers to you if somebody is looking at you or aiming at you or attacking you. Um, you'll also have information on just random bits and pieces given to you by the game, by these spooky voices. You also are given an invisibility to, uh, mode where you can, like, rush through this wraith plane, um, invisible to everybody else. It's a really good movement ability. And her ulti sets down a portal. You step, start the portal in one location, and then you put the other location of the portal down, um, giving your team an easy escape route or potentially causing some mischief for your enemies. Now, these characters all have a vast variety of different abilities and uses that let them 
build up into different pairings and different squads that could entail. Apex Legends is a game entirely built around teamwork. And you might say, Kieran, that's really strange for a Battle Royale game. Many of them are so focused and so centered around just, you know, solo play or just actually getting into the deep down of it and just playing and screaming and whatever. This is locked at a three-man squad mode that you can't select solo, you have to queue into three-man squad. And the ping system is the most comprehensive and well-made ping system I've ever seen in a game. You, with the tap of the button, can communicate with your team where locations you want to explore. You can double tap to show where an enemy was last. You can highlight weapons and ammo and items for your team to find later. Um, you don't need to actually talk in voice comms at all if that is what you wish. And so the interesting thing was Respawn dedicated this time to test this ping system. Before we knew it even existed, Respawn were testing this game within their own facilities by playing on secret random accounts without voice comms, playing with other developers and communicating only through the ping system, which is absolutely fantastic. It's so well done and so good. And it's interesting to see that, you know, that Respawn has recognized that humans are social and fucking antisocial bunches of people. We can get into games and just not want to talk. The amount of times you've jumped into an Overwatch game and nobody's jumped into team chat and you have no communication and it just ruins everything. So they're giving you an option to be able to actually play the game without having to feel like you need to be in voice chat as long as you're using that pointer system, that ping system. It works really well with its jumps. Many times in the jumps, I've trolled people by telling them to press F to look at the map. They've jumped out of the plane early and our team is sprawled throughout. In Apex Legends, the team is given a jump master. That is one player of the three, given the ability to jump and control the descent of the squad. Yes, you do have the ability to break up and go your own way from that, but it does suggest to people playing with your friends that you can just follow the jump master and play together that way. Now, the picking up of this game from many people across the gaming world, the streamers alike to just your casual players, it's been absolutely fantastic. In the first eight hours, one million unique players were jumping into the game and playing. It has such a great uptake and great community around it that I've been really enjoying being involved with the game. Now, for many of us, it is hard to be involved with a Battle Royale game. For my experience is playing with friends, as well as jumping in every now and then solo, it's actually quite fun. There is a decent variety of loot, with the map actually separated and cut up into different values of loot sections. So if you want to go to a high loot section, you're guaranteed to find more loot. If you want to run around and go to another section that is classed as just, you know, you land in a white section, look for the next high loot section on the map and run there. It's an interesting case. Uh, there is a lot more fighting and a lot more teamwork and ability. Now, for many Battle Royale games, that is PUBG, Fortnite, it has often been an issue of how do they get these games into a position that is esports ready. Lots of games are still... Fortnite, in many people's opinion, is not esports ready. The Australian Open had the Pro-Am tournament, and that still had issues throughout with having that many players in a game can be quite disorientating. 
as a game, Battle Royales are very generally RNG-based. It depends where you land, what kind of luck you get with the loot you find, as well as how enemies land around you and their luck. It's very RNG-based, which leaves a bit lacking when it comes to pre-strategies and skill, and it's just hardcore in-the-moment skill that those games just test. That is the reason why I think Apex Legends is in the perfect spot to sprawl into a very successful esports. Now, the system itself can be based in the fact that you can have a different meta of hero combinations that teams could fall. form. What is the three-person squad that a team chooses to go with? How do they complement each other? How, how do they play around one another? Is there a strategy you've got in place where one of you plays the shield, one plays a healer, and one plays a more nippy DPS? Do you play a whole DPS lineup, rushing in and taking on fights? It all leads itself to be very interesting throughout its play. There's a number of things within Apex Legends that would make for entertaining viewing. I think in moments of... Fortnite, in watching it, there are moments of just downtime of nobody fighting or people running around or you get to the lower where Apex is capped at 60 players for the match um, and it, it doesn't feel unnatural. You'll get to the lower lower circles and there will be less and less teams. You won't know by the time you get to the lower amount of players how many players are actually left. You know the amount of squads left, but is that two more squads of one person? Is it two full squads? Who knows? It's it's it leads to suspense. It leads to fun. A lot of the movement. I do wish the movement in this game had taken more inspiration from Titanfall. Titanfall had great movement with wall running and double jumping that don't appear in this game. Um, but the sliding aspect of the game it makes it always fun. Sliding down hills and stairs, um, as well as bringing in other mechanics such as putting away your weapons to run faster, as well as zip lines and other methods of moving around the map. Apex is in an interesting spot. It has had a, such a large uptake, and many people who weren't able to get into Battle Royale games in the first point have now moved to find this game and really enjoy it and really love it. I'm excited to see where this game will go and how it proceeds to grow in the coming future. Will the game continue to grow its roster of characters? I really hope so. Will it bring us more development on the map? Will we see an esports evolve from it? To keep up with the latest Apex Legends news and its esport future, make sure you stay tuned with early late nights each and every week right here on twitch.tv slash explosion network. Now, we're going to head into the Overwatch territory. Normally, I would spend a lot more time on a variety of esports throughout the show, but with the up-and-coming beginning of Overwatch League, February 14th here in Australia, it's February 15th this Friday, um, I was going to dedicate the rest of the show to Overwatch League, discussing it, but I thought, you know what? I've worked really hard already. Why don't I go on a holiday? Why don't I go go for an adventure across space and time. Let's go to France, everybody. I take a trip around France. I take a trip through the new Overwatch Assault map to have a look at it, to see what it entails, and try to theorycraft how teams are going to be playing around it. Hey there, audio listener. This portion of the show is very video heavy. If you want to check out the new Paris match for Overwatch, please go over to youtube.com slash explosion network and check out the full VOD there where I do the full tour of Paris 
play the piano, witness some police headquarters and omnics with Junkrat and Roadhog, and have a swell time. Thank you for listening to the audio version. Please have fun with the rest of the show. That is right, it's that time of year. We are in just a few days time ready to start the overwatch league experience for season two and bloody hell am i excited i am really extremely ready for the new season i've been keeping up to date with all the latest preseason goss watching the interesting community countdown as well as keeping up with contenders across the world Today I'm going to go through some every single team, give you some of the points of interest about each team, as well as my predictions for week one, as well as my overall predictions for Overwatch League Season 2 at the end of the segment. Now, for this, a new part of Early Late Nights, we're going, we're going to do some internet exploring right here on the Overwatch League website, as we go through each team, breaking it down for you and giving you the latest information on each one. And we're going to start alphabetical order. We're not crazy. We're not all over the place. We're going to do exactly what is needed of us. And we're going to start with the capital A for Atlanta Rain. Atlanta Rain, an interesting team overall. Um, many of their players are formed and put together from different regions and different areas. And of course, the the, the, the the crown jewel in this team is the man himself, Defran. Now, what's interesting is it's been some time since Defran has played competitive Overwatch, as well as been part of a team on such a high scale. He already had a bit of a moment of uncertainty earlier when he was quote-unquote throwing games and not handling the pressure very well but we have found that Atlanta Rain are going to be taking more part in his overall aspects of the game as well as taking part in more one-on-one -on -one sessions with the coaches this 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 shows that Atlanta Rain have learned last season we had a very similar situation with xqc for the dallas fuel xqc had such potential as a main tank player and fuel were very excited to have him on their roster but fuel didn't take the necessary precautions or measures to be able to assist xqc with his budding life as a streamer and how to appropriately conduct himself as an overwatch league player this led to xqc leaving dallas fuel and being fired from the team it's not it's kind of leaving but he you know there was a whole situation. He split from the team and became a full-time streamer. And lucky for him, he became very, 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 very successful off his Twitch streams now. But Defran, who is a very successful streamer in himself, needs assistance. He does need that help to maintain the pressure. It's already good things being heard about the Atlanta Reign in scrims, saying that Defran is playing a very, very big role on his uh, Zaya, as well as throughout the scrims itself. Now, the overall team, I'm excited to see Gator on this roster. Gator was one of the founders of the GOATS meta, the 3-3 meta that is the Scourge in many people's minds of Overwatch now. Um, Massa from is a, I believe, a French player that was fantastically good in World Cup um, from all across the board. So, 
I'm really excited for Atlanta Reign. I don't think they're going to be an absolutely amazing team, but I think they will still do well within the Overwatch League. Moving on to the first of our original teams, Boston Uprising. Now, Boston are in a very scary location. Boston have decided to go for a tactic this season. After last season being in a place where they were able to put together uh, a perfect stage, then falling short when it comes to playoffs and the stages, playoffs and the grand finals, or getting into the grand finals, Boston Uprising are in such an interesting position as they've gone to a strategy during the offseason of hiring players of not conventional regions uh, they brought on the new zealander color hex who did amazingly well in overwatch australian contenders with sydney drop bears they've bring ella mauer from um, brazil contenders on as a support player fusions who had a amazing amazing uh, time in the uk uh, World Cup for Team UK as the main tank player. The interesting point about this, and the Overwatch League has not updated this, as I said at the start of the show, Gamsu is no longer the main tank player for Boston Uprising. He's no longer in that role for the Uprising, um, and we'll see Axiom taking that role from him in a more permanent location with Note as... Note is a very star off-tank player, but... Can can the team put these plays together from unconventional regions and make them work? I'm not quite sure. It'd be interesting to see the start of the season as Color Hex has already got himself a two-match ban for account boosting. So we'll we'll see. We shall see where it lands with the Boston Uprising. Don't expect their same highs from stage three of last year, but I don't know, anything's good at this point in terms of expectations for Boston Uprising. The Chengdu Hunters is the first of three Chinese expansion teams that will be going over. Chengdu have, once again, are in this really interesting spot where they have managed to bring forward players from Chinese contenders, but also from China itself. They have a full Chinese roster um, and they're able to put this together in such an interesting way. But it was very interesting, especially recently when Bacon Jack was added to the roster as a DPS player. Bacon Jack has not been seen in Overwatch professional play in 12 months. When asked where he'd been, the coaches had informed them that Bacon Jack had originally changed his game of choice over to PUBG and had played PUBG for an extended period of time. Now all of a sudden he's back playing Overwatch. I don't know how they're going to be how they're going to be able to put it all together in such a short time. I don't expect a fast start from this Chinese roster. I expect them to be able to put the goods together maybe during mid-season, but for now slow start for Chengdu Hunters, probably one of the weaker rosters in Overwatch League. Um, it'll be very surprising to see if they do well throughout this season. Now moving on to the next squad, this is the Dallas Fuel. I've decided this season I'm going to be the supporting and following two teams mainly. The Dallas Fuel and the LA Gladiators, which I'm repping shirts for already. Speaking of shirts, Overwatch League shirts at the moment, maybe wait. I have done an order already, but maybe hold your horses for Overwatch League shirts. There have been some issues with the print of the Overwatch shirts with the names on them. So maybe wait and see and double check with a friend if they're getting them, or I'll show them off in future videos now the dallas fuel 
are in such a weird spot. After their stage 4 reimagining, after having such a dreadful stage 1 through 3 with all of the XQC drama and Effect being sad and letting Custer go and just everything going wrong, Kaikai Kai deciding to put Taimu as a tank player, Kaikai Kai then being sacked, and the savior himself, Aero, coming onto the team for stage 4, had an amazing effect on the team. Mickey found a resurgent as a Brigette player rather than his Diva play. We have found the team has been more well put together. The coaching staff looks amazing, amazing bringing on Coco from a player's point into a coaching role. As well as Jane, the Twitch streamer, is one of the main assistant coaches for the Dallas Fuel, which has been obviously quite good for them already. The interesting point about Dallas is their signings with RCK as an off-tank. They did lose Seagull in the off-season, so... Or, not even the off-season, like at the end of last season, Seagull retired. But, they have managed to fill that spot excellently with RCK, previously of Team Giganti. From Europe, he is fantastic. He will fill that spot very well. And then the other point of view is Zachary. Zachary is the American DPS prodigy from Fusion University. And his position in Fusion University was very good. Like, he played so well. He played such a wide array of characters. But, Zachary is still a DPS player. Now, let's go through the DPS of Dallas Fuel. Taimu, hit scan DPS. Effect, hit scan DPS. We have Zachary, hit scan DPS. We have AKM, hit scan DPS. And so, Fuel is in this position of crying out for a projectile player. And many, you know, they've already come forward and said, well, Zachary plays so much projectile. He's still naturally a hit scan player. I have a lot of hopes that Zachary will be able to play in that projectile role to a high standard. But it's interesting to see the choices that Aero has made. The addition of Closer in support is fantastic. I'm really excited to see Closer and Unko play together in many situations throughout the season. I am worried for Mickey. I don't see where Mickey fits into this team in a regular spot. His Brigida is amazingly is amazingly strong, but his off-tank play is not as good as RCK. So we'll definitely see how that is formed in the season coming up. Maybe on Goat's Heavy Maps, we'll find Mickey playing that Brigida role and maybe jumping off for a DPS player later in the stream. Possibly, we don't really know, but we'll see as it, as it you know, leads up as it burns up i think the dallas field will do well and i think they're going to surprise a lot of people this season but yeah it's 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 up in the air still exactly what goes on florida mayhem oi vey oi vey the florida mayhem now florida mayhem pretty much dumped their entire roster at the end of last season and that's okay i do understand right i perfectly understand what's going on we understand that they haven't had much, you know, they haven't had a good time. They had poor communication with their coach. Wasn't the right roster. They've dropped everybody but Tavik and then picked up, you know, the traditional, all right, let's stuff our roster with Korean players. Let's go. Then about a month ago, they dropped their head coach, Ryder, and their only Korean coach. This team is now being put together with a non-Korean coaching staff. And I'm interested to say the least of where they're going. I don't think this squad is going to do that well. 
I really don't have that much faith or that much understanding of exactly what this squad's going to do. Um, but we'll see exactly where they come from. I think they're in the lower tiers in the terms of power rankings right now. But I've got not much hope for the Mayhem as it is in its current roster. Yeah, good luck, Mayhem. Gong Zhao Charge. And the Gong Zhao Charge is probably the favorite of the three new Chinese rosters with a mainly um, Korean team. It's a Chinese roster, Korean team, except for the heavy features of Kib, who had a breakout uh, World Cup, and Nero, another DPS player. Now, this is interesting where they're going to be coming from in terms of how do they integrate the non-Korean-speaking players into a roster. Anytime you have a roster with different languages, it instantly becomes a lot harder. Is this team hyped too much. I think a lot of people are looking forward to the charge. I think a lot of people are very in interested in the charge. Their show match against Soul Dynasty showed that maybe some of these players aren't quite ready for the stage in terms of the scale for Overwatch League, but we'll see how they perform in the future. We already know that with players like Hotbar in the team and Happy is a fantastic DPS player, we're excited to see what they can do, but we'll, I'm interested to see where it goes. The interesting point for Kib, I think, is maybe Kib's been brought in as a method of teaching this Korean roster how to play GOATS. Because GOATS isn't a big factor in Korean Overwatch. So it'll be interesting to see where we go. Now, probably the most hype team in all of Overwatch right now, just because of its anime-related colors, the current Hangzhou Spark. Or just the Spark. Um, this roster is probably... One of the biggest freaking rosters in... Oh, it's got a mixture of Korean and Chinese players. And it it's freaking... I, I, there's pure hype for this team. And it's got all the potential in the world. It's selling skins already with this color combination. We've got more people backing it. It has probably the breakout MVP of the Overwatch World Cup. Gukshue on the team. Crystal was fantastic in DPS. And the rest of the team is really looking good. Hangzhou Spark seem to be the delight of the Overwatch League right now. Can they live up to that potential? I'm sure we'll see when they go up against the Shanghai Dragons in day one this week. Now, for leading out into probably the one of the least changed teams, the Houston Outlaws have made changes when it comes to the team, only by adding Dante to the roster. Now, the Outlaws were always this middle-of-the-road team that at some points throughout its year last year had some very promising aspects. We had Muma as this outcoming main tank player. We had Coolman doing amazing bombs. You had Linksa as at one point last year was one of the best hitscan players in the league. You had Jake as his renown. And now that Jake's moved to a casting position, we can see just how much of a big brain Jake has. But... All they've done is added Dante, and adding another DPS player in this meta, yes, it fixes up their Tracer problem, but it doesn't help with building GOATs. There have been comments on their scrims that the team's doing okay, there's no one player standing out, but the team isn't memorable. I don't think the Outlaws in this current meta will be able to break out and do that much for the team, but I am excited to see how they play in the coming year. 
Moving on to the London Spitfire. Now, the London Spitfire are your Season 1 winners, but London never looked like they were always going to be the winners. After dominating Season uh, Stage 1, they never seemed to reach the heights of that that team. They never seemed to reach the heights of play that they possibly could have. Profit seemed to be off for most of the rest of the remaining three stages. And the team had problems, you know, all over the place with different either bannings or trying to stupidly run multiple rosters. Now, that they've found a way to be more streamlined. They've found a way to bring a more focused effort into the team. I'm interested to see exactly how Spitfire can go with becoming a more consistent and more dominating roster. Um, overall, I'm excited for Spitfire. I don't know if they can win another year in a row. But we'll definitely see them as a dominating force within their division as well as within the league as a whole. My boys... The LA Gladiators. Now, the LA Gladiators, there is some hype between the LA Gladiators. And you know what? Full full fact, there is definitely a reason to get behind them. There's definitely a reason to get behind them. Even with losing Fisher, who brought such a big change to the team last season, the team managed to step out of its shoes with its support duo of Big Goose and Shaz Shawful and Hydration stepping up. They just needed the answers to the rest of the puzzle, and those answers definitely come in the shape of Decay and Raw. The two amazing players from Korea, Raw is going to be a fantastic main tank player that is pre-built and ready to go for the Overwatch League, and Decay is one of the most wanted DPS players in the entire league. This is definitely leading itself to being one of the juggernauts of the league. Can they put it together though? Do they? Did they need Fisher in the first place? We already saw their smarts and their IQ with the great bamboozle play of playoffs that sparked London's Spitfire into the juggernaut that it became for the rest of the season, but can Gladiators take it all? Let's hope they can hold their shields up long enough. The LA Valiant. Now, the LA Valiant is a team of... It's so interesting because they lost soon to Paris Eternal. Paris Eternal took soon, and Valiant were always in a place of they don't have a star DPS player. Like, where is their star DPS player? Where is that person? Can we can we have him? Can we take him back? And and they they never seem to have it. We now have this roster, and with the roster reveal showing that Kareev is now going to be playing as a DPS player, still question marks. They have probably the best American or non-Korean off-tank in the world space. Custer is an amazing Australian talent and support player. Their DPS lineup, though, of Kareev, KSAF, and Agilities, uh, I think there's a lot to be a lot to be wanted, as well as Bunny. I think there's a lot left to be wanted in the team, and I'm excited to see how it comes together for Valiant. Valiant were always a force to be reckoned with throughout the season last year, so I'm excited to see where they go in the coming season. Now, the juggernauts of Season 1, the New York Excelsior, with the MVP Jonak in the squad, it's hard to bet against NYXL in any terms. The interesting fact about this roster now with Sabiobi, Libero, Pine, and Flower all being there ready for the DPS role, as well as Nene, that's a lot of star power for one DPS for, for two positions on a six-man squad. Unless they start running multiple DPS more than two, they start running three, like triple DPS in a role. This is going to be amazing to see exactly what happens for the team. I think many of the other players are locked in with, you know, we have 
arc uh, fighting and juxtaposing with Animo still for the main support role. But I'm interested to see how so many stars can be forced to sit on a bench when they could be used better on other squads. We'll see how that evolves in the coming year. Paris Eternal. Paris Eternal have prided themselves on being the European squad. The squad that will be putting together the, the best European talent. They're not going to be going to the Korean well. They're going to stay Europe. And they've got the European diehard fans about them. But that could be a bit of a bit of a bite to them. Will they ever, if they ever decide to get a Korean player, will that kind of rock their their foundations? Will that rock their belief in themselves? Or do they have a chance? Do they have a future in this league as a pure European team? Now, the team itself looks absolutely fantastic. Shadowburn and soon leading the way as their Overwatch League, you know, experienced players. Benbest and Cloudy both look fantastic on main tank we've got Cruz who showed amazing support play throughout the world cup i'm excited to see how this team pulls it together europe is such a well-known place for the goats they play goats unlike any other region and i'm excited to see if that force that momentum can carry them through the stage or if they're going to be having problems once the meta changes later down the track i can't wait to see how they go Philadelphia Fusion, your runners-up for Season 1. Their roster is pretty much unchanged completely, with Carpe remaining as their carry support player. The only addition they made was Elk, their Fusion University big brain. Um, Elk is a fantastic support player, but I find it hard him breaking into this team with Neptuno and Boombox on the squad. But we'll see how he goes with coming into it. Philadelphia had such an issue last season with being consistent. They had such a problem with, you know, winning the games that they weren't supposed to win, but then losing games that they were definitely supposed to win. I really hope they can pull together to be more consistent in the coming times. Um, I know with Sado and uh, Sado and Poco as the main tank, they've maintained an off-down role. They've done a much better job, but I'm interested to see how Fraggy fits into the questions later in the season when Fatigue starts playing into it. Now the San Francisco Shock. Now this this roster is really interesting. Because, so, despite one role, other than one role, they have enough players to build two teams. They have enough players to build a Korean team and a, a American team. The difference being that Moth is the only player that doesn't have a jury. The main healer, Moth, he will be finding a lot of play throughout the year in that main heals role. But they have such this such this deep well of talent of young talent with Super and Sinatra. But I'm worried to see what happens with Super and Sinatra going forward when they have Smurf, the likes of Smurf and Rascal and Architect playing in similar positions. I think my biggest worry for Shock is this roster is so deadly, it's so good, but can they maintain? That momentum, and can they maintain these players that are so talented and so well positioned? Can they maintain them when they could be benched for entire games? Who knows? I think the hardest player to get a spot here is going to be Baby Bay. 
Um, I don't see how he fits into the DPS on this team very well. Sinatra is an amazing DPS player. Super is an amazing tank player. He's quickly become one of my favorite Overwatch League streamers. Um, I'm interested to see how this team goes. I definitely think you'll be finding them in the standings of Overwatch League. The Seoul Dynasty, the team that had the nation of Korea on its back. And it disappointed them every goddamn time. Every time. This player, this team just never lived up to the hype. Adding Fisher hopefully bolsters that. But Fisher's been known to have problems. Fisher as a player, as a personality, is a very aggressive and assertive person. For many people, it's going to be hard for, you know, egos to clash in this team. You've got... Such a great support with Ryoji Hong and Toby on this squad. Um, and of course, the DPS players with Fleta and Munchkin and Fitz. It's going to be an interesting spot for this team to fulfill. But can they live up to the hype? Can they live up to their pressure of having the Korean nation on their back? For me, I don't think so. I think they're going to continue to be a disappointment. I think they're continuing to, to drop the ball. Shanghai Dragons, the team that went 0 and 40. 0 and 40. At least they know they can't do worse than last year. They can't do worse than last year. But adding players like Guardian and Doing to the already stacked roster with Gagiri and Dia, we now have Fearless coming in as the main tank player, but Fearless is sick. But with the new addition of Gamsu, this team looks stacked. You will be getting their first win sooner rather than later. The first win for the Shanghai Dragons will be happening within the first two weeks of Overwatch League. I don't know if they'll be able to beat uh, the Hangzhou Spark on the first day, but I think in their second or third games, they will definitely find purchase to be able to play it out and win big for their team. Toronto Defiant. Now, Toronto Defiant is... A very interesting Korean roster. They're one of the Korean rosters that only appeared late. And with the Overwatch experience players of Neko, Envy, and Asha, it's going to be interesting to see how this team comes together. Can they make it to a high standard within Overwatch League? Or will they continue to continue their Korean contenders almost there but not quite touching the brass ring status? We'll see. We will definitely see when it comes to the Toronto Defiant. The Vancouver Titans are the most hyped team of the Overwatch League. Um, they have so many people behind them, but they only arrived in America in the last week. That is such a short time period. I think this team is going to take a very a decent amount of time to get used to American lifestyle, to get used to playing at the arena, get used to everything that's so different in such a big culture shock for them um that we won't see their best in the start but stage two i think uh the titans will definitely come to pass as a massive team and washington justice this team already had bad bad reputation with having players uh coaches being promised jobs and then not being given them we then had the top of the budget being used on janice as a main tank player and wizard as their coach they then filled out the team with a combination of korean players and american pub stars or like competitive contender stars but they're not even that good i don't see how this team does well 
I really do not see how this team goes well. So now we go into my week one predictions. Philadelphia Fusion versus London Spitfire. I see the Spitfire taking that game uh, fairly closely in another 3-2 affair. New York Excelsior will be taking the second game against Boston Uprising 3-0. I don't see Boston Uprising taking a game off them. It's going to be 3-2 to the LA Gladiators in their meter matchup with the Soul Dynasty. And I think it's going to be 3-1 to the Hangzhou Spark in their in their play against the Shanghai Dragons. Now for day two, Toronto Defiant versus Houston Outlaws. I think the Outlaws are going to eke out a win. I don't think it's going to be an impressive win, but I think the Outlaws will eke it out in the end. Atlanta Rain versus Florida Mayhem. The Atlanta Rain will be able to take the win there. Uh, Dallas Fuel versus San Francisco Shock. That's going to be the close game. That's my favorite game of Saturday. Uh, or, yeah, Saturday here is going to be... For me, I think it's going to be... I'm going to go with Fuel. 3-2 to Fuel. Um, we're going to get to Sunday. London Spitfire versus Paris Eternal. I think Paris Eternal is going to take it to London Spitfire and win the game 3-2. New York Excelsior is going to smash Justice 3-0. Uh, Valiant and Spark. Valiant is going to lose the game 3-2 to the Spark. The Vancouver Titans versus the Dragons. I think Dragons are going to eke out the win here. I think Dragons eke out the win uh, 3-1. I think the Titans take a game, but the Dragons, having a decent amount of practice here in America, are going to be able to put it together very quickly. Outlaws and the Uprising, I'm going to say Outlaws will win the first game. Philadelphia Fusion versus Atlanta Rain, Fusion will take the win. San Francisco Shock versus the LA Gladiators. Oh, it's gonna be it's gonna be the gladiators. I can't bet against them. Three two and Soul Dynasty versus Dallas Fuel. I'm gonna be putting it as three two to the Soul Dynasty. Now, hopefully those predictions will work out. My overall predictions for the league moving forward for the rest of the year: Atlantic, the New York Excel will win the Atlantic Division. Pacific winners are gonna be the LA Gladiators. The MVP of the year is gonna be is gonna be Gukshway. I think the rookie of the year will be Flower. I think the biggest disappointment of our year is going to be Soul Dynasty in general, as well as the final four going to Nixel, well, NYXL, the Spitfire, Gladiators, and the San Francisco Shock. Now, I cannot wait for Overwatch League Season 1, and this has been my preview. Despite technical difficulties, my preview is there all in full. I've had a very fun time doing them, and I can't wait to bring you all the latest news, drama, and match results from the Overwatch League coming forward for the rest of the season. Make sure you join me once again next Wednesday at 7pm Australian Eastern Daylight Time right here on twitch.tv slash Explosion Network for a full recap of Overwatch League event, more esports news, and a preview of the following week of Overwatch League. Make sure you follow us at ExplosionPod on Twitter or follow me at your boy Ringo on Twitter. Make sure you swing by ExplosionNetwork.com for all the latest news, articles, and a whole wide variety of amazingly created podcasts. It sounds really big-headed of me. And if you can't make it for the full episode, make sure you remember 8 p.m. every Thursday, the video on demand and audio of the show will be going up on YouTube and all good podcasting services. Thank you very much for joining me. Enjoy your weekend of Overwatch League or whatever eSport you will be playing. Remember, every time you play a competitive game, always say GG. Don't be toxic. Remember, never throw the game. 
Hope you have a fantastic weekend. Have a good night. Kieran out.